Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. The host for this episode is Andrew Platten. Andrew is VP of Finance for Store to Door and has more than two years experience in finance leadership roles for software startups in the tech industry. In addition, he has over 17 years of experience in oil and gas and professional services. Now I hand the mic over to Andrew for his discussion with Sean Ryan. Take it away, Andrew. Okay, here we go. My name is Andrew Platten and I'm the VP of Finance for Store to Door. And today I am welcoming Sean Ryan, who's a partner at R2 Accounting. And today we're going to chat about fractional services in the YYC tech space. So going to start off with some intros. And so I'm going to ask Sean to tell me a little bit about himself. Yeah, can do. And again, Andrew, this is a great idea. I'm, I'm honored that you asked me to do it. And, you know, we always have a back and forth and, and, and are able to chat well. So I think this will just be two guys talking. It'll be a fun chat. But yeah, as you pointed out, I'm a partner with R2 Accounting. Co-founder in my role is, is, is really more head of business development. So R2 Accounting started about four years ago. My, my current business partner, Heather Rindall, and I were working in the cannabis space, to be honest, at a public company. And we loved working together, but just felt we needed a bit of a change. And one of the things we're passionate about is, is not not accounting, but but small business, medium sized businesses, and kind of helping people get started and getting off on the right foot. So we decided to start this, and that's that's kind of who we're 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 trying to target and who we're trying to help. So you know, we pretty much will do anything that a full service finance department will do, but we'll do it for as much or as little as you need. So that's bookkeeping, payroll, you know, right up through to financial reporting and full strategic advisory. So if a corporate finance department has a role or a need, we will do it. So yeah, we're in our fourth year and it's been going great. You, you and I have had an opportunity to work together in, in that sure. capacity yeah. and that was awesome as well. Um, but yeah, I, I really appreciate you asking me to come on. This is going to be fun. But yeah, and no, I guess I would say right back at you. Tell me a little bit about, about yourself for the listeners maybe and, and store to door. For sure, for sure. So I'm a CPA, CA and VP finance at store to door. I joined store to door in... July of 2022. So it's been about eight months, I guess. So store to door is a last mile delivery company. And we really focus on the sort of, I don't know about mom and pop retailers, but definitely like the sort of smaller retailers where, you know, a little bit of a competition to like an Amazon. So obviously if you order something from Amazon, it's going to come from a warehouse somewhere. And, you know, store door is a little bit more about, you know, a a small company. Actually, in some cases, you know, the companies we service are a little, you know, out of somebody's basement and they, you know, make gift baskets or something like that. And they need yeah. a way to, to get those into the hands of their clients. And that's, yeah. that's kind of the role that store door fills. So. No, that's um, perfect. So yeah. there you go. We're both kind of serving small to medium sized consumers. There you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. so I was thinking over the weekend and I was thinking, okay, fractional services and you know, the Calgary tech space. And mm-hmm. uh, last week I was, I was booking a reservation for lunch and I was on open table and I realized Open table is a fractional reservation system. You know, yeah. if Sean had his own restaurant and you know had his website, had everything operating, and you know didn't want you know didn't want to pay somebody to go onto the website and build a reservation system, you turn around, you pay Open Table and build it into your website, and you know basically you're outsourcing. You're outsourcing the yeah. reservation system to somebody else. 
Um, Absolutely. You're hundred yeah. percent right. And that's actually the cool, the cool thing is people don't even really think of it in that, in that sense, but they're using the platform and they, they are, but you know, I think that especially for the tech space, there, there's a lot to be gained from that fractional service. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you and I were just talking about this a little bit before, but I think in, in the, I don't want to call it the old days because they're not that old, but you know, in the last few years, technology and, and connectivity has just exploded in a way that we you know probably never thought would have been mainstream, but it's, it's really given, you know, companies like ours for sure, the ability to provide better service and sort of leverage new systems to service client better. I mean, before, if, if I was going to do what I'm, if I was going to do what I'm doing, we would have to physically go down to the office of a client and maybe spend the morning at one and the afternoon at another. But it was actually you that pointed out, I mean, with, Zoom, you know, or Microsoft Teams, you can take a meeting with how many different people in the course of a day without ever leaving your office. Mm-hmm. So, you know, systems like that, cloud-based accounting software, not just accounting software, but everything has really opened up that that door to be able to do that. And it's a huge benefit for us. But to be honest, the, the clients, I think, are getting a service that they wouldn't have been able to before, or at least at, maybe not at a price point that they'd be able to get. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so I... I don't know. I mean, we could talk a little bit about, you know, not just the accounting space. Um, There are other industries that this is, this is uh, panned into. I know you were talking about a few. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, you know, from, from what I've seen and, and sort of what I see on, you know, LinkedIn and Twitter and whatnot, you know, there's definitely HR and it seems like there's sort of two different models of HR. There's sort of the the flat rate and you you pay, maybe you have a dedicated HR person that you can email, you know, whenever you want and they sort of dedicate a certain number of hours, say, to your company for a per week, say. And the other model seems to be a little bit more sort of hands-off where just, just because of the nature of HR, I mean, you don't need an HR person necessarily every single day if you've got all your policies and whatnot in place. But if you do have a question, you know, you send an email and they spend, you know, an hour researching and, and you know, responding to your email, and then you get an invoice for an hour, say. Yeah. Um, so that seems to be the, the two sort of billing models that I've seen. Yeah. And I, I would agree with you there. I think the good thing is, you know, it's more about making the relationship work, right? Like a, a particular small business that might just have a need for whether it be accounting or HR or, or anything you talked about there. Um, there's, there's probably a model that they just feel more comfortable with or one that fits right. their needs. So, you know, at R2, we do the fixed monthly fees. We, we try and figure out exactly what your needs are month to month and roll those all in a package. And, and the monthly fee is nice because it gives you predictability over your monthly and yearly costs. Mm-hmm. You know, having said that, we do have out of scope hourly rates that we use if you have special projects that pop up, which kind of lead to the latter model. But, but you find some people just actually just like that hourly rate because they're more comfortable with it. And I think the good thing is at the consumer, on the consumer side, you're really going to get what what you feel more comfortable with. It's not like a, this is the way it's done and one size fits all, right? which frankly is kind of nice. So it's about finding a way to make everybody win, I guess, right? For sure. For sure. Absolutely. And, you know, you know, legal, like the next one is sort of legal services. And mm-hmm. that again, that seems to be, I mean, especially for a startup, it's probably more of a, you know, you do your incorporation documents, you get your, you know, US, your unanimous shareholder agreement kind of set up. And then yeah. after that, it might be a little bit more, you know, might be a while before you necessarily need, you know, you're doing a financing or something like that. And so, so well, you know, good lawyer seems to be doing an awesome job in that space where, you know, they, you know, give you documents for a financing or a safe or whatever. Hmm. Yeah, it seems to be, it seems to be doing really awesome. 
marketing Agreed. too. Now, marketing seems to be a little bit more like to me, you know, you're going to pay a sort of flat fee per month likely. And mm -hmm. you're going to say, this is my, you know, this is my $5,000, $10,000 a month budget. And, uh, you know, you're going to sign a contract and they sort of take over that, that space for you and do all yeah, the marketing. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, we, you know, we do that ourselves, I guess, if this is the, if this is the model we're preaching, it's sometimes it's, it's going to be on the consumer side of that. We, we use a, a company called Agency Atlas, who's fantastic. They help us with our social media, but it's the same thing. We, we have a strategy that we use and it works for us. And they found a way to, to put a product together that, that works with what we need and at a price point that we we're very comfortable with, but they've been fantastic to work with, but it's, it's the same thing. We don't have the need for an in-house marketing department. Right, right. So we're just doing that exact thing on the opposite side, right? Yeah, yeah. It seems like just just from sort of bouncing these ideas back and forth with you, Sean, it seems like there's like a a certain degree of like flexibility where it's like, you know, you 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 know, somebody calls you and says we need you know we need accounting services, and you say you know this is what we offer, and there's there's a little bit of wiggle room in terms of where you actually sort of land. Is it is that yeah. it, like is that fair to say? I think it's very fair, and it's probably not just on the the accounting and finance side. I'm sure any of the any of the services or the sectors you just mentioned would be the same. <laughs> But I, th I think it is too about finding that right fit. You know, we we don't find a way to necessarily make everything work for every person that phones us, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, we want to make sure we're doing a good job and that we're providing what we provide within our wheelhouse. But I think we talked about connectivity and a lot of it is if, if, if I know that R2 can't do something, you know, if we can't provide that service at the level we want to ourselves, we certainly would be able to find someone who can. And sure. I think I'm seeing that a lot too in the, the legal, the marketing space. Everybody kind of has their niche mm -hmm. and it's, it's more about trying to help. This might sound corny, but you know, the small business community as a community and just make sure everybody gets services that they need and everyone's taken care of. For sure. So, so you sort of, you're saying you sort of find your niche and, and stick to it. And if you have something that's, you know, a little bit over, over the head of say R2, you're going to pass it off to somebody else. Yeah. And it's more, you know, we've, it's, it's, we've spent our careers in, in a certain space. Like I, as an example, I am not a personal tax guru. I don't okay. know okay. much or anything about personal tax. So at R2, we more focus on the corporate side. Okay, We do do some personal tax, but it'd be for small business clients. We know we can handle it. But to your point, if, if, if a client just had a super complicated personal tax structure, um, you know, we've got personal tax uh, partners that we would lean out to lean on, sorry, and reach out to when that need is there. But but we're happy because we know they're being taken care of properly, right? The expert that they need is there and we okay. were able to make that connection. So it's it's great. And, and I guess it would work the other way as well. If somebody went to the personal tax partner and said, you know, yeah. can we have a bunch of corporate services? Then you'd say, oh, you kind of go back and forth a little bit, hey? A hundred percent. It should go yeah. both ways. And you would hope your personal tax expert would do that, right? Not, not, and this, I'm sure you've found this too, but not every professional can know absolutely everything about the, uh, the ins the and outs. Of their <laughs> oh, exactly. A hundred percent. Or the legal yeah. landscape or, the, or whatever it is, right? Of course. Yeah. No, um, for sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. So one of the other ones I wanted to touch on really quickly was I had a conversation with someone a little while ago about you know, wanting to be like a fractional CTO, like a chief tech or technology right. officer. And it seems like that maybe is maybe not as common in the space, but maybe, maybe there's more out there that I know of than what I know well, of. But. And that could be something that's just starting to, to pop up more as well. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but to me, the, the, the fractional thing we'd kind of knew was always there, but it, it, it really started, I guess I will say this. I felt it was more like professionals that would come out and say, I'm, I'm going to do the fractional CFO thing. I'm going to offer fractional CFO services, because, but it's because they would operate independently and they had CFO skills. 
Right. So, you know, we talk about accounting, but we, we, maybe we should sort of break this down. There are tons of, of um, fractional services out there where they would offer, you know, one of the services that I just mentioned. You know, you might just be bookkeeping or, or someone might be a payroll expert or they just do CFO services, whereas we as an organization try and do it all. But I have no doubt that the, the marketing, the legal space or, you know, the fractional CTO would be mm-hmm. the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess as you as you delve into it more and more, and like I mean, how much of it is just as our ecosystem, the tech ecosystem in Calgary kind of develops? Like I feel like all these services are just going to develop more and more, and probably get more. You know, these companies will probably start to grow and offer more services. Yeah, I, I agree. I 100% agree. It's like anything else. The uh, the company starts up, they offer a basic service, and then they find ways to service their clients and, and customers better with whether it be through more efficiency or, like you said just now, through new services, right? So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see where it goes. I'll go back to the thing we were kind of talking about at the start where we sort of said the it's almost cyclical. It's like the tech space is sort of helping us to get better at servicing, and then we can service the tech space better. But it, I just feel like we see more and more advancement in technology and I'll use, you know, a nerdy accountant example, but QuickBooks, for an example, QuickBooks Online has had tons of new added features and, and functionality in the last three or more years. And I have no doubt it's because, you know, COVID kind of popped up. People got yeah. in a scenario where they had to work remotely and, you know, the advancements got made to the systems that promote that. Absolutely. Um, Actually, you know, it's funny you you brought up COVID because I, I feel like that's almost like a bit of an elephant in the room in the sense that it's like how, how much of this came about because of COVID all of a sudden, you know, people are locked in their home offices or whatever for two plus yeah. years. Sorry, not everyone was locked in their home office, but but yeah, like pretty how much close. of pretty close. Yeah. How much how much of where we are today is because of COVID I, I, in, in your opinion? So. Well, I, I'd be curious to know your thoughts too, but I, I don't know. I, I want to say somewhere, I, to me, it's like 80 to 85%. I remember before COVID started, I was taking a, we were taking a meeting and this is when I was still in the Canada space and they were using a video conferencing tool and I have to admit it. So we'll let all the listeners get a good laugh in at my expense. I could not figure out how to get on this call. And <laughs> Like we've been doing this for three years, right? And how easy is it now? You get the link, you click the button and it pops up, you put your headset on. Yeah. Uh, but it just wasn't that common, right? No, so no. people didn't well, have to do it. For sure. For sure. I, I remember having a conversation with somebody, you know, kind of in the middle of COVID and saying that if COVID had happened in, you know, 2010, like 10, you know, 10 years earlier, yeah. I don't think that technology was there for, you know, Zoom and Teams and all these things to sort of keep up. I feel like the yeah. internet would have just crashed, but. I agree with that. I agree with that. We just weren't quite there, but you'd hate to say it, but it's almost like it happened at the right time. Yeah. If, yeah that's not offside to say. No. But no. yeah, I, well, I don't know. So yeah, I guess, are you saying you agree or did you have different thoughts? It sounds like you're sort of saying as well, like if, if that if that disaster hadn't have occurred, who knows if we'd be where we yeah, no, I, I'm definitely, I definitely, I'm agreeing with what you're saying. I think, I feel like, you know, at, at, you know, at a certain point, you know, there's certain companies use certain tools, you know, people use Google Meets or Teams or, or, yeah. you know, whatever. And I, I'm almost at the point now where, you know, I look at who I'm meeting with and I, you know, I know I'm going to be on Teams. And so, you know, in some cases I even use like a different headset for, you know, right. different, <laughs> the different, just because I know the headset works better on Teams or yeah whatever so yep, exactly yeah, yeah yep, so you got all you got your toolkit laid out in front of you depending on who you're talking to and what you're talking about yeah exactly absolutely uh, absolutely funny. yeah well so actually i i thought i would ask you too because as we go through this 
process of talking about like, okay, here are here are the types of service providers and we're seeing the rise and all that. And I know, you know, this is focused on the tech space. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you being the VP of finance over at Store to Door, I'm sure you're you're seeing a lot of challenges and stuff. And as your company sort of progresses through its stages, like did you want to talk a little bit about, you know, maybe the stages of the tech company? Maybe that would be sure. a good discussion for us on on, you know, what's the timing and what's the need for these types of services as you hit each stage. For sure, for sure, absolutely, yeah. So, so you know, you know, I would say the the first sort of startup stage, if you will, early stage. You know, somebody's got an idea. You know, I I, I like to use this analogy, Sean, where it's like, hey, you know, I I've got this idea, and I'm literally I'm on a phone call or a Zoom call with you, and I'm like, I've got this great idea. I think it would be great soft. So it's obviously just you know, it's an idea. It's not even on paper yet. It's just kind of in our heads. Yeah. And you know, at that point, you're you know, well, in some cases, it's even like there's solopreneurs out there that have you know an idea and they just sort of run with it themselves. But often it's, you know, two, three people sort of getting together. And, you know, I, I met a couple, I met three people just a couple of weeks ago who are getting an idea off the ground. They're very much at this early stage. And, you know, so you've got the idea and you're like, okay, what do we need to do? You know, what do we need to do to get this company off the ground? And, you know, they're talking about incorporating and, you know, shares and all that sort of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, opening bank accounts, that sort of phase. So right. what, you know, what, what type of, you know, what do you see in the accounting space? Like what, what kind of role do you think is, is, does this sort of fit? Yeah. And I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest and you know this already, but I, I am biased. My, my opinion on is when is the right time to hand hire a, a, you know, financial advisor or someone in the, the finance space that can help me. And, mm-hmm. and to me, it's right when you've made that decision that you're going to go ahead and, and, and do it. I mean, you, your comment about, you know, maybe we're going to incorporate and we're going to get a bank account. Well, e- even that decision requires some thought, right? Like how do we want to structure this company? Who are going to be the stakeholders, the shareholders? And, and, you know, I'll say you, you probably necessarily don't want to reach out to your an accountant in that space. You know, if you're talking about corporate structure, sometimes you, you might want to call a lawyer. But having said that, tax considerations, all that stuff, usually a finance person can can get you there and they might reach out to the lawyer once you've got an idea of what you want to do, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's 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 just super beneficial to have that help and that that guidance right off the hop. And mm-hmm. to your point, if you think it's just gonna be something you might need once and then you're not sure if you need it long term. Reach out to that person anyways, get the company set up correctly. They could probably set you up with a simple set of books, but show you how to do it right. And then, you know, you never know. You, you might, for a, a low cost, be able to, to have them help you on an ongoing basis, even from that point. Or maybe you have time and you want to do it yourself. But my view is always, if you're the um, idea person and you're the, call it the CEO and you, your job is to grow this thing, you probably shouldn't be spending time you know, coming home at 9 p.m. and trying to do the books. You should be spending your time focusing on what you got to do to, to get to the next stage of your business, right? No, absolutely. Yeah, there's a certain point where, you know, you know, reconciling the bank and, and kind of looking after all the sort of nitty gritty transactions is not where you should be focused. No. You should definitely be thinking about, you know, a year down the road, two down the two years down the road and sort of where the company is going. For exactly. Sure. And, and yeah. I, you know, I do I do agree with you. I think you know, I, I worked in small business at, a, at you know at, at a big firm for quite a while, and the number of people that you know kind of call an accountant probably too late. There's a lot yeah. of people out there, and yeah, you know, it, it, and, it does make sense to just contact somebody early. And and to your point, I can say this from from experience. Typically, the the customers that come and they said, "Well, I've been doing it for two years because I I." 
because it's easy. Bookkeeping is easy and I can do it myself. They usually come after two years and you find that, well, the bookkeeping might be in not so great shape, but there's other things around that 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 maybe aren't in great shape either, you know, mm-hmm. unpaid taxes, maybe you should have been signing up for GST or PST and you didn't, now you have a right. problem or, or we hired a few employees and we weren't doing payroll remittances properly. And, you know, it's, it's a small price to pay to do it right from the start. But typically I find when you're kind of cleaning up a mess after you're probably spending the same amount of money anyway, yeah. and you have the added yeah. stress at that point too. Yeah, for sure. Because then you're starting to talk about, you know, interest in penalties with CRA yep. and all that kind of fun stuff. So, yeah. And someone has to do that that work, you know, whoever you decide to help you out, they, they it's, you know, it's a service. It is what it is, but it's, it's typically harder to do cleanup than it is to sort of be proactive and just to get things in the right spot up front. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So, so, you know, so now, so that's like early stage. So that's sort of the, you know, ideas phase and next, next up is like pre-seed, you know, your Maybe you've raised a little bit of money from, you know, friends and family. You, you, well, to be honest, you've probably bootstrapped a little bit. You've probably put some of your own money in. <laughs> sure. You know, may, maybe you've raised a bit of money from friends and family, maybe some angel money at that point. Yeah. And, you know, and you're probably just starting to look at grants and starting to, you know, look at the grants sort of landscape and figuring out where your company could sort of fit. Because that's, yeah. that's kind of how, I feel like that's kind of how the, the grant space sort of works. It's, yeah. you have to find out where your company fits and the, the grants don't come to you. You have to find how you fit with the grants almost. That's right. But, you know, so at that stage, you're, you're, you know, you're obviously, uh, well, but hopefully by that point, you've got an accounting system that's kind of something like a QuickBooks Online that's, you know, linked to your bank. And, you know, it's almost, it's doing quite a bit of the work itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just sort of making sure things are in the right place. And, you know, I feel like this is almost like a, this is almost like an awkward phase for the accounting. Cause some people, this is the phase where people almost have, you know, somebody doing the bookkeeping and they yeah. almost, they almost forget about that finance role and, and they just sort of skip over it. And, and yeah, uh, yeah, that's the thing, right? Cause, cause bookkeeping is sort of this necessary evil. I mean, we all have to track our expenses and our costs for tax purposes and all this other stuff, but you know, in this stage that you're talking about, we are continuing down this path where we're gearing up to something, right? You know, we talk about mm-hmm. maybe you did put some of your own money in, but depending on the, the venture and the idea you have, you might be going to look for external funding. And mm-hmm. that's something to th- start thinking about early as well. But the thing about finding funding is whoever you ask to invest, whether it be friends or family or or, you know, maybe it's venture capital or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they like your idea, they're going to want to do due diligence, as you know, and they, they come look under the hood, so to speak. And what they're going to want to see is, is everything organized? Is everything compliant? Is everything looking like it should be? Or does it just look like it is truly one person trying to do it all and, and maybe not doing it so well? Yeah, um, yeah, for yeah. Sure. So, I mean, at that point, you know, again, I'm biased, but having that having that sort of controller or maybe maybe even that advisory role, but on a very fractional basis is just a nice tool to have in your back pocket, right? For sure. For sure. And even just to have that, you know, like you said, you know, first look under the hood, the investors, they, they want to be impressed. They want to look in your data room and see that everything's all the boxes are sort of ticked and yeah. you're not, oh, we forgot to sign up for GST or something like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the more comfort they have on the fact that you're running a tight ship right from the start, they're, the more comfort they're going to have on, on you know, how you're going to handle their money, right? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so now you're, you know, let's say you're, you're past, you're somewhere between, you know, seed and series A. And so now, you know, now you're, you're kind of getting into the big leagues a little bit. You've got some, 
you know, you've got some traction, you've got some revenue, you're starting to look at your MRR, ARR, and you know, now now you like I feel like this is this is really the time for like a, a CFO, like a mm-hmm. VP VP of finance role, somebody looking into the future and saying like, you know, you, at some point somebody's going some investor's going to ask you for a forecast for you know, a two or three year forecast or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I feel like this is, this is really a time where you need that, like a really, really strong controller or like a VP of finance CFO yeah. type of role. So I, I totally agree with you. And you know, every company is a bit different, right? So I, we could probably look at this and say, where's the, where's the heaviest lift? You know, some, some companies, as you know, you know, they might have 50 million in revenue, but just because of the product or the service they sell, that's a very low transaction count. They just might have large ticket items, right? In which case, you know, is it hard to do the bookkeeping? You know, do you need a full-time bookkeeper? The the answer to that question might be no. Mm -hmm. Well, and also maybe like like, to your point, if you're always talking to investors, there's probably going to be a lot of conversation and time on that CFO or that VP finance. And maybe it is time to bring that role in-house, right? Which is, I think, where you were probably going. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, absolutely. I mean, at, at that point, you know, as soon as as soon as you start getting the the you know questions from a VC, I, I mean they're obviously this is what they do. They're gonna have you know they're gonna have hard questions. Sometimes I mean yeah. sometimes I end up spending a day or two answering questions from VCs where you know you pretty much just have to you know block time and just sit down, dig through the numbers, and and answer these questions. And uh, yeah, yeah. Once the once the VCs start asking the questions, you you really need somebody kind of dedicated. Yeah, and it's just. I'm sure you experienced this. You could probably tell us about that. But the the knowledge that you need just at your fingertips of that entity, you know, I I won't lie. We obviously do CFO strategic advisory for for a few clients and some do look for funding. But there there is a benefit if the company has the resource to just have a dedicated person that's handling, you know, know, you're the VP finance for store to door. You know everything about it, Mm -hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's easy for you to just to recall all that stuff and have all that data and all that information at your fingertips, which, you know, when you're talking to potential investors goes a long way. It's just another level of service, right? It's it's dedicated. For sure. And it's, it's funny you mentioned that because at a certain point you do find that, you know, some investors have very similar questions and, you know, you, you end up with, you almost end up with like your own little data room of, yeah. you know, spreadsheets or, or data that basically is, you know, it's going to answer more than one question. And, yeah. you know, and that, that's sort of, but having the, the time and the resources to be able to sort of, you know, have that knowledge, say, okay, I'm going to start a G drive and I'm going to put these five Excel spreadsheets in there. Cause I know when somebody asks a question, the answer is going to come from one of those spreadsheets yeah. and just, and just being able to optimize, you know, Obviously, CEOs are, are busy people and, you know, they are on, you know, 10 different calls on a different day. And when they need an answer, they like to get it relatively fast and to be able yeah. to tell them, hey, you know, here's this G drive. This is the type of information that's in there. That's a big, to me, that's a big service that, you know, a, an accounting yeah. finance person can provide. So absolutely. Yeah. And w- you're right. And when you're there, you you'd kind of just need that that person in the chair. And, and I mean, we're right now we're just talking about rolling up the series A, but I think if you, if you close on a series A and get past that, it, it's kind of a no brainer. Eh? Oh yeah. I, I think you're right. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, you know, to get, to get, I mean, how many companies, how many startups make it to series A is it an interesting That's question. First of all, like, I, I don't even know. I'm sure I don't even know what the statistics are, but it's, yeah. it's not easy. So. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, I would imagine something like a Y Combinator would probably have some, yeah. some sort of data on that, just because they've been doing this for a long time. But for sure. yeah, so yeah, I mean, and once you get to that sort of Series A level, like you know, 
I, I think that the CEO really needs a, a wingman to to be able to kind of navigate. Even you know, when you're raising a round, like you need mm-hmm. you need a, a dedicated effort of you know seeking out VCs, you know, just you know looking at meetings yeah. and getting the data room, you know, updated and, and answering those questions. It's almost it almost becomes a. Actually, I chatted with a founder a couple of weeks ago, and they said they spent eight months raising an A round. And that yeah, was, I, I believe it. Yeah, and, they, and it, they was don't like, happen... it was like it was like seventy five percent of their time. Like it was, yeah. or maybe oh, it was even oh, more. Oh yeah, you, you're yeah. spending all your time on it, and and you need to the, the the success of the dream, the success of the company relies on that funding. So then you know you're trying to do that, but at the same time, there's a lot of operational stuff that that these roles require. It's a huge lift, for sure. Uh, so and yeah, and then I mean. You're trying to give investors comfort over how are their funds going to be managed, and I think, you know, hearing I've got someone full time in in the chair and working as part of the fully functioning management team, you know, they're they're going to want to hear that. For oh, absolutely, absolutely, they're going to want that uh, that assurance for sure. Absolutely, yeah, yeah cool. definitely. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So so yeah so so now that we've kind of we've kind of walked through almost from like idea to like you know, series A, series B sort of level, you know, we've walked through a, a tech company, let's call it. Mm-hmm. What, let me ask you what you think, what do you see in the future for sort of fractional services and like how, how will this affect tech? Yeah, I, I think we're going to see the easy answers. We're going to see more of it, but you know, I kind of like to kind of go back to what you and I were talking about before, how it's like, I feel like the the those two spaces are kind of helping each other without sort of realizing it. I mean, every time there's an advancement on the tech side, there is a new tool or system available to us that we're able to use to help people better. Okay. And you know, on the fractional side of things, the the up and coming tech companies are are perfect for the, the fractional services. You know, they 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 need the help but they have to watch where they're spending their resource. So, right, right. you know, having a service like that, just not, not full time, but, but paying for what they use is absolutely perfect. For sure. And yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see the next few years. I know that, you know, talking about chat GPT is hot and all that stuff, but as AI mm-hmm. advancements happening, it's just going to be interesting to see what the systems can do mm-hmm. uh, and how we'll be able to help people. But I think it's going to get more and more common. And I don't think it's just uh, tied to accounting and finance either. All the other professional practices, I think, will, will be realizing the same type of change. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I feel like I feel like this. You know, when I hear people talk about ChatGPT, for example, it feels like we don't even know what is going to happen in six months with like new yeah. developments that'll happen. Like it, it could, it's going to be things that we probably can't even think of today. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and I mean, and that's to be honest, that's kind of what I what I love about tech is you yeah. know we are we are what we are today. But gosh, in three months, who knows what kind of technology is going to be. Uh, going to be changing well, how we work, right? So, And you just said, look what's happened to us in the last four years. It's exciting to see, you know, where we might be in the next four. It's fun to be living through it. For sure. For sure. Ho- hopefully, hopefully we, uh, in better circumstances than the last three years. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But, uh, I agree there. Let's hope better circumstances. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, well, thanks, Sean. I, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to come yeah. on and uh, chat, chat today. And uh, yeah, I think we, I feel like we covered a lot of ground today and, uh, yeah, yeah I think absolutely. We, we kind of cracked the nut a little bit on, on fractional services. hundred so. percent. And hey, the, the thanks all goes to you. I really appreciate you asking me. This was fun like I thought it was going to be. So I really appreciate it. No problem at all. Thanks so much, Sean. Yeah, you bet. Take care. Bye-bye. If you haven't already, 
visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode was brought to you by New Idea Machine. We build great custom software while bridging the gap between education and experience. New Idea Machine makes your ideas real. Visit newideamachine.com for more info. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.